Hey, Metalworking Nation, Jason Zenger here. Here is part two of our live event with the Tri-State Manufacturers Alliance on building a lean culture through strategic leadership. And if you didn't listen to part one, please tune into that. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping then you are Metalworking Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts. Let's make some chips. So that tier one engagement, it sounds like that's kind of like the most important thing you do to encourage all of your employees to embrace lean culture. Is there anything else that you do besides that tier one engagement? Sure. So, yeah. I, even in our lines, like at a deeper level, you know, really as far as lean, it's not just that scoreboard first thing in the morning of where we are, because that's really a lag measure. What's happened yeah. yesterday, we're talking about it. And the lead measure, we do hour by hour boards, for example, like every 30 different lines running in under two buildings. So there's not all are the same. It's not a one size fits all, right? But it's really digging in. And there's a lot of lines that will have an hour by hour of where are you at? Like to hit the target at the end of the day or the end of the week, we got to break it down much simpler targets and then to understand where they're at. So that's something else that we do that's a, a little deeper level that is owned by that person that's at that machine. We have a lot of craftsmen. We're just not pushing buttons. We're making products. So it's very unique that we have craftsmen throughout our organization, but that's a little deeper level of that. Okay. How about AstraZeneca? How do you encourage employees to embrace that lean culture? So we have lots of things. So we have a very similar program to what you have. We have a lean improvement ideas process. We call it lean idea cards. We have thousands and thousands. And our motto is no idea is stupid. Yeah. And we actually take the effort to truly evaluate every card. And you're right. We have a bit of a saying, every person, every day moving the business forward. It takes those little incremental steps. You don't need a big thing to happen. But also what we are doing is also making sure that the tools are there. So the lean tools are are available to our people. So for example, you talked about visualization. So the tier process helps to visualize what's going on. But then if there's a problem, how do you solve the problem? So we have tools, we have different levels of problem solving. And then once you solve the problem, you put a corrective action in place, you then perhaps have a new standard <laughs> because you've got to the root cause of a problem, solved, there's a new standard now. Does everybody understand that new standard? Can people work towards that new standard? And so we have, I'll say, a lot of a process that sort of puts lean leadership at the center of it and continuous improvement at the center of it. And that's something that we try to make sure that we equip our leaders with to help our employees in general move forward when it comes to lean. I think it's that resonates with me because you're really creating problem solvers. If you're creating leaders, you're creating problem solvers. And the more you do it and the more everybody participates in that, the quicker you are at it. So we can hear a scenario and be like, well, we don't have standard work. Like right away, like we identified the problem. And some problems are not so simple. And you got to put a whole multiple iterations to even figure out what the cause is. But it's cool to watch our organization grow towards where everyone's like, oh, standard work. That's the prescription for that, to use yeah. the uh, medicine <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> I believe that that team leader is the most important position and the hardest position out there. They not only have stuff they have to get done during the day, they're filling in. The andons are going off, and I don't think 
In our case, we do a good enough job, especially the last couple of years of being short staffed, of supporting those team leaders. And that is a job that goes through burnout pretty quick. And you've got to make sure that you're encouraging. Many of our team leaders have just a high school education. And we've got to give them the tools to be able to become a problem solver. And we're much better than we've ever been before. We have a JLC 1 anybody can take. That's on your own time. JLC 2, you've got to not only fill out an application, but you got to be approved to go to JLC2. And then after that, all the other training's done on company time, team leader training one, team leader training two. And then when you get even to a VP level, you've got a development path. There's certain classes I have to take each and every year. Most of the other classes I have to teach. Um, to teach something is when you really learn something. Several years ago, they wanted me to teach a class on lean, and I said, well, okay, what, what book do you want? Well, they brought me three books. They were the worst flipping books on lean I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Boring. And they knew that I was going to go ahead and rewrite my own syllabus for that class that I had to teach. But that's how you do it. you got to get involved with your people. But don't ever forget that in management, we've got to be with our people. And I love people talking about dashboards, et cetera, et cetera. But get out and see your people. So often we think we can go into an office and we look at a dashboard. Your people want to see you. If you don't like going to funerals, get out of management. Yeah, good point. Two to three funerals every week. It's just something that people, then you get a thank you note. Doug, I can't believe you took time to come to visitation or you took time. That's part of motivating your people. Mm -hmm. We believe that culture is the most important thing you have. Whatever your culture is, and just as Phoebe said, if people don't buy into your culture, Give them the opportunity to experience pain or pleasure someplace else because your culture is what makes you special, whatever your culture is. You mentioned burnout, and um, I know at least at my company, it's hard to balance the day-to-day activities with the improvement projects. How do you make sure that you're balancing those two things well? You've got education, you've got the day-to-day grind, and how do I take on a project in order to make improvements there? We've got groups. I mean, we've got a couple of our lean people back there that serve on workshops. We bring new people in with the idea of getting them trained, and then they have to lead a workshop. But hopefully they're going to go back. Sarah over here, she we moved around every two years to different places. Finally, we said, okay, you're going to come back to see if you really understand lean. You're going to leave the workshops. It's a whole part of the process. But let's face it, the last two years, we've all been burning our people a bunch. And we've got to realize that. We have intentionally said no Saturdays, June, July, and August. Come September, we're probably going to work two Saturdays. October, hopefully we can only work one Saturday. But you've got to try to create that fun thing back in the workplace. And it's tough. Even like leveling up your certifications or whatever they are, your qualifications as an employee, it feels like a game. You've unlocked the next level. Well, and making things fun is part of the game. I agree. It's not just about the score. you got to make things fun. One thing you said that really resonates with us in our podcast, we'll do like a news segment. And one of the news segments that we did recently was an article written by like an aerospace industry magazine and it was about like what this survey of young people said why they're not getting into aerospace manufacturing and it first talked about like the salaries that they can generate and like really high I mean these people are getting paid a lot of money when they're competent but then it's like this huge gap and one of the biggest challenges referenced by younger people is lack of career path planning if I know that I start here and I can go this route that route kind of like how college works like if I get these classes I can go get this major that you brought up like everyone having a path that that really resonates with us because as a young person I kind of knew all right I know what it takes to get to the next level and now I'm in a great spot that I intentionally put myself in. We was on a podcast not too long ago and the guy said, you're part of the 1% group. And I said, what? Nobody stays at the same job. 
the young people today are told the way you get ahead is you work someplace for a couple of years, you go someplace a couple of years, you go someplace a couple of years. And there's a book, John Garden, that, that talks about plant yourself. Have you learned everything you can at this job? What I don't feel we do a good enough job is sharing with people the past that they have to continue that growth. When we became an ESOP, there were four things that were important to us. Number one, we wanted to take care of our people. Number two, we wanted to take care of our communities. Most of our manufacturing is done in small towns. Number three, we want to take care of our customers. And number four, I want people to know that their name didn't have to be Schwank or Bobble to be in leadership. Mm-hmm. And we were able to accomplish that this past year. We've got a brand new president of the Jasper Engine and Transmission brand. He's not related. He didn't marry in the family. He came to us after college. He'd been with us 30 years and he's the president of the company. The leadership today, I mean, we've got to encourage our younger people that they see that opportunity. And I think that's one thing that we all can do a better job of mentoring to those young people. Yeah, if you're a stepping stone destination in their path, in their mind of where they want to head, probably because we didn't carve out a path in our own organizations. That We're guilty of that too. We just lost a great kid that we developed. We put through school, we paid for his school, and then got an opportunity and we couldn't keep him. And I'm thinking, man, what could I have done differently? Because we had a path for this person. Maybe you just didn't realize it. Yeah, and I think it's important to create those opportunities for people to grow. And to your point, every organization will always be stretched at some point. There are trade-offs that have to be made. So for us, we have to, at least in AstraZeneca, we try to ruthlessly prioritize. And that's very important for us. I'm just come back to the point that you made, Doug, around when you're out on the shop floor, because that's something that I do a lot of as well, or I try to, and I have to admit, it's probably the best part of my day. I try to spend at least 30% of my time on the shop floor speaking to our operators, ultimately, just going around the business, getting to know my business, getting to make sure that the first-line leaders are feeling supported, because similar in our organization, that is probably our most critical role. And those guys are the guys that have to bear the brunt of a lot of things. So my role as a leader is not just going out there and seeing what's going on on the shop floor, but also my role is to make sure that I'm visible so I can be helping, I can unblock, and I can ultimately help move the needle where things perhaps get stuck through perhaps maybe someone can't take a decision or the trade-off isn't that clear, and I'm there to help unblock. That's a good point. You can't be a spreadsheet manager. We need data, and there's more data than ever. Mm-hmm. And that can help us make good decisions, but we all know the manager who's, oh, well, the spreadsheet says this, and the spreadsheet says that. It's like, did you go talk to the person? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or the sales manager who just reads the bookings reports yeah. and doesn't actually go out and see customers. Yeah. You know, it's just totally different when you do that. Sure. I think one of the greatest places to learn the information is in the bathroom. <laughs> I love it. When we built our office, you just hang out there and like listen for what's going on. Is that your strategy? You're your own. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like if I'm going to spend a lot of time in here, I might as well make best use of it. A couple of years ago, I was speaking in Louisville, Kentucky, and that it just come out of the whole bathroom thing where what gender do you feel today? And I shouldn't have made the comment, but I did. I said, I'm really looking forward to that because now I can go into the women's bathrooms and talk to them as well. But I get to know what our sales guys are doing. How are phone calls today? Walk upstairs, customer service, how are you guys doing today? I think in leadership, you've got to make yourself available. You've got to be the right person. And that's part of the culture that it's hard for me now to give up some of that walking on the shop floor. And these people tell you, we really don't want you out there. We've got it, boss. Let's go. <laughs> but that's where you learn stuff. you got to be a good bird dog. you got to sniff that stuff out. And if you've been with your people, they'll share issues with you that they won't even share with their boss. Look at so-and-so. You need to look into that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It's funny you brought up, like, we don't need you out here. It reminds me of, I tell Jason all the time, my older brother's our president. Our dad is our CEO, and 
He's either at like the highest level tier or like, how many parts are you going to get done today? Not all the machines. And my brother's like, leave us alone. We have a system here. (laughs) Just reminds me of that. Yeah. Hey, Metalworking Nation. Jason Zenger here. Do you know I operate on NetSuite, the ERP when you need one source of truth for all of your data, your CRM, your accounting, your operations, everything. If this is you, you should know these three numbers, 36,000, 25, and 1. 36,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. So you get customized solution for all of your KPIs in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage your risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need all in one place. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash chips. That's netsuite.com slash chips to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash chips. Do it now. We've talked a lot about creating a lean culture and a few times there's been hints at like, how do you sustain it? And so if you think of 5S and just for anyone who doesn't know 5S, sort, set in order, shine, standardize and sustain. And one thing we talk about a lot in our business is like, we're good at 3S. So we do the first three, but getting to that standard work and then sustaining the standard work is where we really fall apart. So what are your thoughts on that? And how do you create the sustaining of the success and the progress within a lean culture? That's key in the leader. It's always the toughest thing for anybody, right? I mean, time and time again, we hear that we can start something and it's going really well. And then once it starts going well, then the next fire comes along and you kind of forget about all these great things and then you go back to it. But that's where putting in standard work comes in, right? And then it just becomes part of the process that you just went in and fixed. And then you just don't let off of it. As leaders, you've had success. We're going through that now where we've had some great success in some of our pool cover lines year over year and a lot of work and a lot of dollars and consultants and everything poured into it and uh, just not letting off the gas. And they sometimes want you to, okay, you've been here for two years living in this line, it's time to go. But until you put real process in place where it doesn't matter the next guy comes in or the next guy, new leader comes along and then that's you're all that for nothing, right? So that's in my mind that, you know, I know it's critical. If we don't, make sure that we're putting in standard work and we're, you just don't let off the gas. And that's as a leader, that's really your job is to continue to just persevere through it. Otherwise, you just waste a lot of time and money. So. I think back to what you just said on you're not going to be able to pass your job on to somebody else if you haven't defined how to do it and created yeah. that standard work. And that's so juxtaposed with this idea of like, I like being the only one who knows how to do this thing. And that's where I find my value. 
which is the opposite of what any of us are looking for. We want people who can create, people who do their job and replace their position, and that's how you grow. But we do have to work hard to break that mindset of like, I'm the only one who can run this machine, or I'm the only one who can do this, and they can't replace me. That's like how to not grow within a business. For sure. I think for me, it's at the heart of it, yes, is having a system in place, but at the heart of that system is continuous improvement. So with that mindset of continuous improvement, it doesn't matter who's in a role, as long as they're always thinking of improving <laughs> what they meet or the standard that is set. For me, that's probably one of the most important things towards sustaining a lean culture, having that continuous improvement mindset. And it comes down to things like the lean idea cards I talked about. Everyone having an idea, doesn't matter what the idea is, put it through. Let's see if it's going to add value, improve the business, or make someone's life easier. It's worth doing. So that's how I feel. of selecting the award winners at the last time we did this event, and the lean idea cards was something that really jumped out to us. We were like, man, that's awesome. And that's, I think, why you guys won, at least in that category. There was quite a few awards. To me, it's all about that culture. And Stephen Covey talks about teaching a kid to mow versus teaching a kid how to do clean and green. The other day, I was pulling some weeds where I parked my car, and I walked in, and this kid looked at me and said, why did you pull the weeds? I said, because clearly somebody didn't see it. <laughs> and I'm no better than you are. We're all in this thing together. So people will remember a little about what you say. They're going to remember a little more about what you do, but they're going to remember a whole, whole bunch of how you make them feel. And you've got to make them feel that you're just as much a part of it as they are. I really feel that when we have issues, it's because we've not followed the processes. And it's okay to say the process isn't good and let's fix it. But if you have a process in place, we got to follow it. And that cleaning, it's happened to all of us in the last couple of years because we've all been stressed with people. But we've got one of our plants that we didn't start from scratch. It was a bankrupt business and we went in and they never, ever, ever had that culture of cleanliness. And it's always still a struggle down there. But we just put a new renovation on. And when I went down to take a look at it, one of the guys said on the floor, said, they told me you were coming. And they said, don't you dare put a piece of equipment in this that hadn't been cleaned and painted before it goes in the new building. And I said, great. Now we got to maintain it. And they want to. They feel part of it. They've got ownership in it. What's been one of your biggest wins in the lean process? Like, what is one thing that sticks out to you that you're like, wow, this really made a difference in our business? I'm happy to go first. There's lots of wins from implementing lean or living the lean life. But I think for me, I think, talked about the lean ideas card, so I'll move off that one. But it's about the value that lean can deliver. And so a couple of years ago, we were in a situation where there's a product that we manufacture that ultimately is doing very well, okay? And we were out of capacity. And what we were able to do was to apply some lean methodology to our process. And we were able to pretty much almost triple our capacity. So we went from something like a billion and a half tablets to over 5 billion tablets of this product with very little investment. And that's the key thing here. We were able to extract value without having to invest $40, $50 million, raw minor capital, a couple of million dollars here or there. And for me, that's one of the things that I'm extremely proud of, that we were able to do that, not just for the site here, but this is a product that's sold globally. So there's so many more patients out there now taking this medicine that's making a difference in their lives because of what we did through our lean methodology. And for that, we actually won a CEO award. Great. Oh, great. Yeah. Awesome. 
Great. Yep. So in 2008, when Anchor first implemented Lean, it started with the senior leadership. They had started reading books, and that's where they started. They're like, okay, what is Lean? And let's start reading books. But from where that started, just like, okay, we're gonna we're curious about this, and what is Lean to where we are today? There's been a lot of wins, but I would say the greatest thing, just what we've seen in the past couple of years, and you know, like going through COVID, there's no way they would have been able to do. Anchor would have been able to do what they did without the processes they had in place, without implementing lean. It just it wouldn't have happened because it really went from a company that just had piles and piles of stuff. Like if you would have went in, there was just fabric laying everywhere to they got to a point where people thought they were going out of business because they were walking around. It just looked like it's not everywhere, right? And we've seen that ourselves. What we think is busy is like, man, there's so much work and look at all of it laying out here on the floor to just we're one piece flow pulling it through the line. You know, and it's just that I'd say being able to sustain that as long as they have, and it's not going anywhere, right? It's in the culture, it's green, it's not going anywhere. And our COO continues to, I think, really leading the charge in that. But everyone's at a different spot in their journey, a different place in their journey, but we're all on the journey and learning and growing. So, what were you just? We've all been out to restaurants before, and you've been to a restaurant where you happen to walk by the bathroom and then you get a peek into the kitchen and you see yelling and screaming going on, you see plates being dropped and fingers pointing and all this other kind of stuff. And then you go to like some of these very fine dining restaurants where I've actually taken a tour of back behind the restaurant while they're operating and it's calm and there's not food all over the place and everybody knows exactly what they're going to do. And it kind of goes back to what you said, the analogy of, well, there was fabric everywhere and now it looks like we're going out of business because there's nothing around. But like this restaurant that I went to, I mean, they were, it was very expensive and it didn't look like chaos. It was just like things were there when they were supposed to be. People knew exactly what they were supposed to do. There was no garbage to kind of move into the system. And your biggest win, and you can close this out with this question. I don't know if my people will agree with this, but the improvement of safety. We are 300% better than we used to be. When we go in and do a workshop or even just going in and looking at an area, it's amazing how much safer it has become. A couple years ago, couple of them back there, they said, boss, no lifts over 45 pounds. I'm like, so people can't go to Rural King and buy a 50-pound bag of dog food? I said, there's no way we're going to be able to get lifts below 45 pounds. You can, if that's your mindset. And we've done it. And today, we've got much, much better about reducing strains and sprains. And we've got all of our plants in Indiana, our VPP and Star Level. And it's all about having that mindset. And for you younger managers out there, I'm amazed at how often we get pushed into a corner. And if you got your people with the right mindset, how quick you can get out of that. I mean, Sarah's group this past two years on trying to keep the lines going. We used to always have one, two, maybe three suppliers. One guy maybe had 70, 30. One guy maybe had 60, 20, 20. We now have four and five suppliers because number one, number two, and number three, we're getting their raw materials from the same dadgum place. And if that guy has a problem, now all three of them have. So there's lots of things, and, and you've got to celebrate those wins. And make sure people understand it's okay to question what we're doing. I think for the longest time, people didn't feel it was okay to question things. Why are we doing it this way, boss? That just doesn't make any sense. Well, I think what all three of you kind of hit on with some of your biggest wins. So you talk about a clean environment. You talk about really meeting the needs of the marketplace. And then you talk about safety. And if we can really hone those in, 
we can attract more people to the manufacturing careers because you don't want them to think about, well, this is a dirty environment or I'm going to get hurt or it's pointless. Like you want them to see purpose in what you're doing. You want them to see a clean environment. You want them to see a safe environment. If we can do all of those things and we can create that through lean principles, we can attract people to this great industry and give people hope in their own lives. So I think that that's great that those were your biggest wins kind of tied together three important principles. You want to attract them to an industry that's a challenge, a fun challenge. Make it feel like a game. Make it feel like, hey, how do I win every single day? I think you guys did a great job telling stories and just kind of a microcosm of what making chips is. Yeah. You know, just great stories over and over again. We're so blessed to do what we do. Absolutely. Again, appreciate all of you for for listening and inviting us back because I really enjoy doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How do we thank, end? Well, the first thing we want to do is we want to thank the TSMA. Yes, absolutely. Thank Tyler. Thank Christopher Nolan. Thank Matthew Nix. He was an important part of us doing there. Thank Jake for listening to Making Chips many, many years ago. And like Nick said, it's just been great to be a part of this, the steering committee. I would say get involved. We have so many great manufacturing leaders here that if in your business, you're like, well, I'm not operating a lean culture. Well, there's a lot of people here that can help you here. You know what I mean? And you should get involved with the TSMA in order to create that culture at your company. Right on, right on. So we sign off. I think we talked about it earlier. We sign off the same way every time. Mm -hmm. And if you're not lean, you can't do that. So (laughs) if you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam. Bam. Thank you, guys. Oh, yeah. Why don't we hear that? If we have some questions from the audience, is there anybody, anybody want to raise their hand and if you have a question or if you want to add something to the conversation even? Nobody? We've got to get one person at least to there ask we go. There we yeah. go. Hey, hey. Yeah, Chris, yeah. <laughs> we told him that he had to ask a question if nobody else did. So. <laughs> so he's been thinking about this for an hour. I'll just kick it off and somebody can follow. One thing I was going to mention, because we talked up a lot about their safety, maturity, 5S, all those things. So we actually have a process at our site. that's It's called the Lean Maturity Review within our company. So we shared some of this. We have our upcoming audit, right? So it sounds scary. It's an audit. But it is maturity. So we've talked up there. It is a journey. So it doesn't matter where you're at in your journey. You're going to mature, right? So even if you think you're the top dog, you're going to find someone better and you need to mature to get there. So that's the key piece. And a quote we shared at one of our presentations this past week was, was part of that maturity and part of that lean journey. It's not about talking the big things. So we have a whole group of our lean experts over here at AstraZeneca and I work with them daily and they are way more advanced in lean terminology than me. So it's not about talking the big things. It's about understanding the small things. So if you understand the small things, you're going to prevent the big things from happening. So if you're not very far on your journey, or even if you're in far on your journey, those frontline operators or leaders, it's hard to think of doing something that's going to be a six to nine month payback because they're in it day to day. So find the small things that really talk to them. And then when you find that, then eventually the big things are going to come out of it. And through the lean ideas and the different things, it's really going to speak. But that's probably one of the biggest things I would say I've seen along our journey in my engineering and maintenance through the OPEX, the lean pieces. You got to find the small things to start out with. And I say that and I guarantee you, I'll forget it and have to remind myself in two days, right? So, but it still is go out and find those small things. And then from there, it's going to start snowballing. And then there really won't be big things. There's just things and you find ways to solve them. So I just wanted to share that piece because I think that's been key in our journey at AstraZeneca is identifying, hey, don't 
bite off too big of a chunk on the front, right? It's kind of like, how do you eat an elephant? We probably heard that one. It's those small bites. And those small lean cards are lean ideas. Lulu's going to get me now because I said cards. Ours, the lean ideas are what really gets you. When you're saying that discovering the next thing, it reminds me of uh, the story. My brother had us read a book. I can't remember what the book was, but a lot of this lean stuff comes from Japan where they're really good at it. And so these Japanese executives came over to their American branch and the guy who was running the branch gave them a tour and he's showing them, hey, look how good we're doing here. No extra inventory here. Standard work here. And he's just like puffing himself up like, oh, I'm going to get a raise, you know, and they get to the end of the day and the guys are all disappointed. And he's like, well, what's going on? He's like, you have no treasures. And the treasures are like the challenges that they need to solve. When I hear you guys talking, as much as we're talking about the successes you've had, you've talked about the areas where you've struggled. And that's what I think about too. Like, man, we suck at this. And so it's like, to your point, like you're going to find these treasures every single day. Sometimes it's going to make a little incremental improvement. Sometimes it's going to, one card, one idea card could make an improvement like what you described where you're getting three times as many tablets out the door. But Walking around and patting yourself on the back because you're doing lean well in some areas is not what we're looking for. I think that's when you get to that level three leadership, when you're thinking about not just how can we improve it, but how can we make that individual when they go home of an evening feel good about what they've done, that they know the score, and they want to come back the next day and continue to improve. Good point. Any other questions or comments before we close out today? All right. Thank you all for being here this morning. 